0: Some of us still need to get among the living more fully. And seriously, is it just me or am I not remembering or has it been an unusual year when it comes to, change of topic, leaves? Right? Is it unusual? Because we still have this vibrant tree filled with red leaves outside our window that just will not let go. We've jumped up and smacked them. They are not falling. I see the city staff busy at work trying to pick up the leaves. There's like seven or eight of them at a time. I walked by a woman who was raking leaves one afternoon, walking back from lunch, and I said, Don't you just want to shake it so that they'll fall down and come off? And she said, You know, they sure have been stubborn this year. It got me thinking. You know, leaves, they're dead at this point, And they'll eventually fall to the ground and make room for new life. And sometimes there are just things that cling. They fall off in their own time. And I think we need to remember not to pay too much attention to that, because that's not part of our responsibility. You know, the trees and the mountains are giving glory and honor to God. They're just being what they are. So let's not confuse our part with God's part. There are some great expressions that I've learned from friends for whom Spanish is their primary language. They taught me the concept of manana. Say that word for me, manana. Yeah, it means tomorrow. Housework, manana. Opening the mail, manana. The neighbor knocks on the door and needs something today, now. You know of someone that needs something, now. Wanting to finish the laundry or going to deliver meals on wheels? The laundry, manana. You can wait. There's also another expression, no es mi trabajo. That's harder to say. No es mi trabajo, not my job. I love that expression. It's not my job. When is this going to get back? I don't know. i got way too much to do to worry about that. That's in God's hands, not mine. So let's not get distracted. Because this last segment of the Be the Church series is enjoy this life. What's getting in the way of enjoying life? Perhaps it's things that are not even our job. No, as me... Tr- What prevents you from taking delight or pleasure in the gift of life? I ask that same question of myself. What has prevented me? Am I taking on other people's burdens too much and thinking it's all on my shoulders and all my job? That can't possibly hold up because I know I'm not the best person for the job. Never. And our scripture this morning underscores the theology that the universe is the embodiment of God. We're just one piece of it. And our scripture shares a beautiful image of creation joining in the celebration of joy and of life, which serves as a sign of God's word, which is God's way in plain sight. The mountains and hills bursting into song like our choir and the trees clapping their hands like we did after they finished singing. Consider the morning or evening sky at this time of the year. And the light on the snow-covered mountain that offers a beautiful song as we move toward winter. The next time the wind comes through, listen for the clapping from those leaves that are still on the trees. God's word, God's way changes us. If we're focusing on our part, which is loving God, feasting on the teachings of faith, living in community... It's a process of us being formed and reformed over the years until we, too, become a part of the singing and the clapping, part of the living testimony to love, compassion, mercy, and hope. When and where love, compassion, mercy, and hope are hard to see or hear or feel, we don't have time to die. We need to live and to be about this work. To pull in a line from last week, which hasn't let me go yet. We were made for this. I'm going to read a longer segment in Isaiah. Uh, What's in your bulletin, I think, is chapter, uh, verse 10 to 13. But I'm going to read a longer version because it seems especially fitting today as we celebrate the gift of joy and community. And in a word, we celebrate the gift of church. I encourage you to read the more lyrical translation that's in the Pew Bible or perhaps in a Bible you might have at home. But this morning I'm going to read from the Message Translation because it's just good old plain speak. So let's listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway, buy and eat. Come buy your drinks, buy wine and milk. Buy without money, everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food? your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I'm making a lasting covenant commitment with you, the same that I made with David, sure, solid, enduring love. I set him up as a witness to the nations, made him a prince and leader of the nations, and now I'm doing it to you. You'll summon nations you've never heard of, and nations who've never heard of you will come running to you because of me, your God, because the Holy of Israel has honored you. Seek God while God's here to be found. Pray to God while God's close at hand. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God says. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. So you'll go out in joy. You'll be led into a whole and complete life. The mountains and hills will lead the parade, bursting with song. All the trees of the forest will join the procession, exuberant with applause. No more thistles, but giant sequoias. No more thorn bushes, but stately pines. Monuments to me, to God, living and lasting evidence
1: of God. Sarah invited me to speak a few weeks ago on surrendering to joy. Whoa! (laughs) It sent me into a tailspin initially. There's religion about this. There's... Lifetime quests for learning how to release certainty and surrender to joy. Joy is often not but an easy relationship with, for me. Something that you have or don't have. It's something you earn, maybe. That's something that I've learned. It's given away or it's worn as a kind of a badge of optimism. Such a big ask. But fortunately... I wasn't being asked to solve the great mystery or even share my inner existential dialogue. Sarah was asking me to speak to something that had come up a few weeks ago in a gathering of uh, folks that were headed to Puerto Rico on a mission trip. We gathered to practice some Spanish, and I had shared something that really lights me up that I love about Spanish, and she picked up on it. And there's a few points that I'd like to share with you that I've observed uh, in my experience of learning Spanish, and also my experience as just a liver of life, an observer, a seeker of joy. And so I, I kind of meditated on this and dwelled on it, and I revisited my thesis that I wrote 17 years ago uh, as an anthropology student at Willamette University in Oregon. I had traveled the summer before my senior year to Ecuador. For a summer session to learn Spanish and and have that abroad experience, and it it broke my heart open, and I fell in love with the language, the culture, and um, not only that, but my husband, who we've been married for 17 years now. So take in mind there's some context of kind of that um, open-hearted being in love kind of experience um, that I know many of you share when we travel. What I chose to focus on on my thesis and what really struck me has expanded my understanding about how language and culture are in relationship and helps me to understand how we conceptualize reality. Language, and don't worry if you don't know Spanish, just know the language that you know, is communication, it's identity, it's knowledge. Language is the lens through which we organize our world. Formulation of thought and interpretation of reality are embedded in language. So I had drawn from the linguistic relativity hypothesis, this is from John Lucy, that links patterns of thought about reality with language. So think grammatical structure how we organize our world, nouns, verbs, adjectives, how they fit together, how we talk about them in discourse, the patterns of our language. It reveals categorization of meaning. In English language, there are six verb tenses, past, past perfect, present, present perfect, and future, simple, future perfect. In Spanish, there are 14 verb tenses. That's not to say People in Spanish have more to say or (laughs) they say it faster. But it opens the possibility of how the world is categorized beyond what we know in English. So there's four of these 14 verb tenses in Spanish that are called the subjunctive. And the subjunctive verb tense, this is what I was explaining in the Spanish class that just gets me really excited. The subjunctive verb tense is used to express emotion. It can show necessity, doubt, urgency, possibility. It's used to talk about things that are indefinite or non-existent or like to express desire or regret about something in the future or something in the past. In general, if there's something that's deniable or improbable or subjective, the subjunctive comes into play. I'm gonna read just a bit defining the subjective. The significance of the verb tense of the subjunctive is in its acknowledgement of the unknown. In using the subjunctive, space is left available for the possibility of an outcome other than the one so stated. It represents in a way another realm of existence between the binary oppositional realm of true or false, yes and no, black and white, and allowing for the possibility of a range of gray. It does not speak of fact, but of concept avoiding absolute certainty, but not in any way lessening the strength of the idea. It's not wishy-washy, as English speakers might assume, nor does it represent a realm of reality that's inferior to what's absolute. On the contrary, it acknowledges the uncertainty as inherent in the world. It's integrated into the grammatical structure of meaning, and it recognizes uncontrollable forces, unknown, or probable between that Aristotelian dichotomy of is and is not. There's a couple of phrases that are very common and represent this subjunctive idea. Because I mean, it's used all the time, all the time. But one of the most common phrases that I learned to appreciate and love and that's really spoken frequently is, que Dios te bendiga, may God bless you. And in Ecuador, and I don't know that this is true everywhere because I haven't traveled everywhere, but a very common phrase is que Dios y la vida te bendiga. May God and life bless you. The appropriateness so the bendiga, that's the verb bendecir, to bless. The appropriateness of the subjunctive reinforces that harmony of outside forces, of destiny, chance or fate. It's a more resigned role of individuals as the receiver Certainly no one can speak on behalf of God. And the subjunctive allows for that. It reiterates it. It's implicit. It's a recognition of humanity and humility, that the fate of each one of us is not in our own hands necessarily, but maybe at the mercy of other forces. Another phrase, our way of speaking, is, is how we speak about the future. It's unwritten. You know, in English, it's past, present, or future. I will go there next week. I will do this tomorrow. In Spanish, if it's not real, it's kind of in between. Mañana. Mañana será otro día. Sometimes at the end of a tough day. You know, mañana se otro día. Tomorrow will be another day. But the to be is open. It's almost as if you added the term God willing to the phrase, si Dios quiere. Even though the sun has risen every morning for who knows how long, And there's nothing to suggest that anything different will be tomorrow. There's not absolute certainty that tomorrow will be the same as today. One really never knows what tomorrow will bring. Whether the sentiment is, oh, excuse me, whether it sounds ambiguous in English, Spanish allows, closer, excuse me, thank you, (laughs) counterintuitive. Maybe that's a good metaphor. So another last term that I wanted to share with you is a common phrase that when you just have a, a sense of desire or hope, you often say, like, oh, if only, in English, you know, oh, if only I could make it, if only this weren't true, if only I could have been there, ohala is the phrase in Spanish. The origin of that word, ohala, comes from the Middle Eastern languages of "oh, ala." It's an invocation, it's an invitation, and it's a giving to God, it's a it's a release, at least in my interpretation. Another very interesting concept that relates language and culture to understanding of reality in Spanish is how we use the verb to be, how we express conditions of being. Linguists uh, E.W. Kellogg and D. David Borland characterize discourse in English by criticizing the overuse and misuse of the verb to be. They regard that high frequency usage implicit in this binary oppositional orientation of the world, overly simplistic and limited. They actually promote a way of of interacting uh, with a whole society of, of semantics practitioners, excluding the verb to be. They find other ways to to speak about the world and their selves without using that verb because they're so critical of it. In Spanish, the conditions that we often use in English to say I am or I was or I, I will be, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm tired. We use the verb to have and to give, tener and dar. What's interesting to me is that it highlights the conditionality of things like hunger, or temperature, or emotion sometimes. It emphasizes the tangibility and the temporality of these conditions. If you say somebody's cold and you use the verb to be in Spanish, you're almost calling them cold hearted. <coughs> to have hunger is temporary, it's tangible, it's passing. I am not hunger. There's different concepts of how we relate to our world. My experience when I traveled to Ecuador for the first time and really began to understand and appreciate and learn another language really opened my heart. And it really expanded my understanding of how we relate to the world and the sense of possibility. The subjunctive verb tense, the ways in which we categorize and speak what language we give to our experience has meaning beyond just simply communicating or following our patterns of thought. And what I know about joy is that it kind of seems to be everywhere, right under the surface. It pops up in unexpected places. It's there when you least expect it. And when you can release certainty and surrender, it has a way of bubbling up. So in my observation, and by no means is this deterministic or hierarchical, or even representative of all English and Spanish. It's a big world. But acknowledging that space, giving language to what's uncertain, expands my understanding of the world and how we relate to it and of faith. So, thank you.
0: It's by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu with Douglas Abrams. And toward the very end... Desmond Tutu was giving an opportunity to offer a benediction, and I want to leave you with these words because they're beautiful. Dear child of God, you are loved with a love that nothing can shake. A love that loved you long before you were created. A love that will be there long after everything has disappeared. You are precious, with a preciousness that is totally quite immeasurable, and God wants you to be like God filled with life and goodness and laughter and joy. God, who is forever pouring out God's whole being from all eternity, wants you to flourish. God wants you to be filled with joy and excitement and ever longing to be able to find what is so beautiful in God's creation, the compassion of so many, the caring, the sharing. And God says, please, my child, help me. Help me to spread love and laughter and joy and compassion. And you know what, my child? As you do this, hey, presto, you discover joy. Joy which you had not sought comes as the gift, as almost the reward for this non-self-regarding caring for others. May it be so. And let the people say, Amen.